looking back at the best of Saturday's racing from around the country and examining the big talking points of the day. This is Pass the Post. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for joining us on Pass the Post for Sunday, the 21st of March. We passed the post Saturday, March 20th. Strange old day yesterday. No Golden Slipper race day. Sydney was washed out. That meeting goes to next Saturday. We lost the Gold Coast here in southeast Queensland. But we had a good day at Eagle Farm. It was Mornington Cup Day. And, of course, a good meeting at Morpherville as well. Mike Maxworthy is joining me in the studio this morning. Michael, how are you? Good, thank you, David. Um, thankful uh, that we, we were at Eagle Farm yesterday with all of the rain that we had. You mentioned we lost the Gold Coast. We've lost uh, the sunny coast today and Gatton and Kilcoy last week. So uh, this uh, big wet is playing havoc with racing, not only... Um, in Sydney, but here in southeast Queensland. Uh, but it was a good card of racing yesterday, and I think we've got to give credit where it's due. I, I think everybody gave Eagle Farm the thumbs up. We'll talk more about that in, in detail when we review Eagle Farm, but I, I agree with you. They won from all positions on all parts of the track. And, uh, uh, you know, some people say, oh, it, it, it drains too quickly. Well, don't you want to bet on a on a good surface? Mm. I don't want to bet on a heavy track. If you have to, you have to. We saw that at Dooman last Wednesday when... Mm. They got through their card and uh, and thumbs up to all concerned there on what was one of the wettest tracks we've seen amazing. in years and, and they proceeded. But but yesterday, uh, soft six to a, a soft uh, five to a good four, uh, I thought it played extremely well. We'll talk more about that later in the program. Let's kick off though and head to Victoria because we had the last group one of the racing season in Melbourne on Friday night at the Valley. It was the William Reed Stakes. Let's have a listen to the replay. Pippi at the 500 metres led Indian Pacific. Haydock a length and a half away, three wide from Portland Sky Elite Street. Libertini four to make up from Mars Crusader, Brooklyn Hustle. Then swats that behind them, Kementari. It's Pippi just in front on the point of the turn from Indian Pacific. Portland Sky is running up behind them. Then Mars Crusader who hunts the fence. Pippi in the straight at the 150. Portland Sky, Mars Crusader's wedging through and bursting through. Mars Crusader drives through, takes the lead, a smart horse Group one winner, two legs, Portland Sky, Libertini for fourth September run. Flit, Kementari, all from the back, then Brooklyn Hustle. Behind those horses then, pulling up quickly, Pippi, Elite Street, well back, Indian Pacific, and Haydock amongst the tail enders. Yes, uh, gaining that split mass crusader, achieving his first group one victory at start 10. Not a bad effort, and all up, he's won five of his 10 starts. Trained by Team Hawks, and who other than to join us this morning to grace his presence with us, Wayne Hawks. Good morning. Morning, boys. How are we? Well, you sound a bit rough. Are you okay? No, I, you know what? I actually am. Willie Pike came over last night and stayed because he's on the plane as we speak back to Perth, and I had two drinks, went to bed, and he doesn't drink, so... Uh... It was, it was a cheap round, that's for sure. And I, I, I woke up like I've done eight rounds with, um, you know, you know who, well, you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, at least it was a good weekend, mate. You, you won a Group 1 on Friday night and you qualified a horse for the Caulfield Cup yesterday. So uh, a good day over the space of 24 hours. Yeah, well, it certainly shows our racing's highs and lows. You have the, uh, you know, Golden Slipper Day that went, uh, went pear-shaped, so... To be honest, we had some really good wet trackers in uh, in Sydney yesterday, so it's amazing how you have the highs and the lows. But um, Mars Crusaders win on Friday night was, um, uh, which is, you know what, I, I've i been a very, very fortunate person to be involved with a lot of Group 1 horses. And 
that went on Saturday night. It was it was not I was gonna say weird, but it was sort of I don't know, crowds were back, owners were back. As I uh, as, as I've said before, when you won the Caulfield Guineas with uh, Ollie Kirk, I stood there and hugged myself, and then I hugged Willie privately. Um, there was no touching and things like that, you know. What I mean, because of COVID, so to have yeah. everyone there, like you know, on Friday night in the crowd, and they were screaming, uh, you know, Willie and Pikey and all that sort of stuff. It was it was actually uh, such a good uh, a good feeling to have everyone back there, and the valley was actually pumping Friday night. Wayne, it was an arrogant win, wasn't it, by Mask Crusader? But um, he got a bit of an bit of an ordinary start. Not ideal around the tight turning Mooney Valley. It was just a great ride as well by Willie Pike. Just, just superb. Well, three back the fence, Mike, was where you half don't want to be because it had been a pretty ordinary leaders track that night. And uh, I'll be honest with you, Willie came out and said, um, "Right, I said we'd obviously just going to ride him. How he jumps and you know whatever, and we don't really give instructions." And, said, gee, that track's plain and leaders. I said, mate, I said, get that out of your head right now. I said, just go and do your job and ride in. I said, you can't control the track bias, but you can control your horse. He said, yeah, that's a fair call. And he, uh, he came in, he jumped off. The first thing he looked at me and said, how do you feel that I thought about you for the first thousand? I said, what about the last 200? He said, I was too busy steering. So... Uh, you know, it was, it was, I mean, what it shows is that uh, you need teamwork and that's what it is. It wasn't about me being right and things like that. We all had to get it right. The trainer, the jockey, the horse, we all had to get it right, the staff. And we've been so close in so many group ones throughout our career and they are just so hard to win. And what's amazing is, you know, make it up two weeks before the same field, the same race in a group three, I don't know, they just doesn't seem that same amount of pressure that everyone puts on themselves, but you get that G1 next to it, and all of a sudden the race has just become three times as hard. It's sort of quite, quite weird in a roundabout way, but uh, I think it's just the pressure of everyone and the pressure you put on yourself. He's used to border hopping. He kicked off his career, I think, at Wyong. He went to Melbourne and won a couple. He started his campaign this time around in Sydney. He won first up at Randwick and then ran third in the Group 1 Canterbury. Was it always the intention to go to this race on Friday night? not always because we had to decide a month ago whether we're going to head towards a George Ryder and probably an all-aged mm. or keep him to the short. And his first start was at Wyong and um, how the hell he got beat, I have no idea, but uh, that happens and uh, Dad was half ropeable. It wasn't anyone's fault. It's just that the horse stuffed it all up and there was a maiden at Caulfield and they never run maidens at Caulfield because they're always Saturday meetings and, there was this maiden, I reckon it was a Wednesday at Caulfield. Might have, might have been a public holiday, maybe. And that a maiden 1,200 at Caulfield. Well, they won by seven pulling up and broke the uh, race record, blah, blah, blah. But as I said, they never run uh, They never run there, and that's when he went to the paddock. So he that's the only start he had in Melbourne, David. So the new market was 100% on the radar, but we sort of thought, oh, what if he doesn't handle the straight? I mean, his pattern would say he does, sitting in behind and peeling out with 300 to go and letting rip. But as we all know, it's the it's probably the toughest uh, race course in, in the country up the straight. So we thought, you know what, let's run him in the Canterbury Stakes because that'll give us two options. The sort of head TJ slash uh, last Friday night, or we could go towards the, uh, the George Ryder. And we just decided to keep him at the shorter trip. And, um, yeah, the rest is history. Wayne, what about distances with this horse? He went to 1,400 metres uh, towards the end of his last campaign and was down the track uh, at Rose Hill behind Prime Candidate. Uh, what are you thinking is ideal right now for him? 
Yeah, look, I mean, Michael, he's a horse and always got to be keen, so that was why we were a bit reluctant to stretch him out. But, you know, we always sort of thought he'd be a 1,400-metre horse. Him on the rides, he reckons he's a, he feels like a 1,400-metre horse, but he just does some things wrong. I don't know if these sprinters doing things wrong, too. I'm thinking the grey horse at the moment. <laughs> But uh, yeah. I just want one that's a push button to be nice. But yeah. he, blo- he half misses the kick, this bloke. And it's not he misses the kick. He just takes three or four strides to get into his gear. And to be honest, Tommy was very good. He said to uh, Pikey, he said, mate, he said, don't get a man up with him. Just leave him alone. He'll either jump or he won't. And the more you, more you mess around with him, the worse he actually gets. So... He was just really just he just took a couple of strides to really get into his gear. Well, if you fly the start, all of a sudden you're five in front, aren't you? So, but uh, certainly wasn't where you wanted to be. Three back defence, and Pikey said, "Come in the corner." He said, "I just he had a look over his shoulder about the five hundred and thought, geez, I'm hemmed in here." And yeah. then he said, "I just thought back to you, just sit, wait." And to be honest, I did say to him, "You've drawn a bad gate, really considering." And we nearly we we, we did think about not running him because of the inside barrier, to be honest. Mm. And um, I said to Pike, I said, listen, I said, this ends up a, a stuff up. I'll back you. Just ride the horse and just let him do what he has to do. Because the truth is, is that, you know, Tommy's been working so hard with this horse and uh, trying to get him to settle and relax. And you don't need a jockey to go out there and yahoo and, you know, rev him up. So then that way they get back into their old habits. So... He's been a serious work in progress, this horse. At the top of the straight there, um, Portland Sky, who was following Pippi, uh, dashed up on the outside, joined Pippi, and, and sort of half tried to close the gap on on Willie Pike and Mars Crusader. He was sort of, uh, sort of laying in on top of him, so it was a brave effort to actually burst through, but he was just going three-quarter pace, wasn't he? He had plenty underneath him. Look, uh, Willie said, look, he, said he probably would have won if he had a sort of sat for another stride and gone around him because he's, because of his burst. But there was just enough room. I mean, there obviously had to be. There, there was a gap because he went mm-hmm. through it. But Mark Zara came around the corner, rolled out a bit. And then he sort of half tried to close the gap. But yeah. uh, Willie said, by the time he was thinking about closing the gap, he said, I was through it and gone. So it didn't, uh, it didn't matter. But it was, uh, as I said, it was a great, uh, great performance, and Willie was like a cox plate. He went back to two hundred metres, and they all lined the fence to uh, to cheer him home. So it was uh, certainly a special night for me. Wait, on a broader point, and just using Mars Crusader as an example, they talk about the Sydney way of going, the Melbourne way of going. Well, he's experienced both. The question's two parts: Is there substance to the, to that thing? And, and if there is, does Mars Crusader go better in Sydney or Melbourne? Well, he's had the two runs in Melbourne. He's won impressively both times. But I'll go back to Stepney yesteryear. I asked Beedman, I asked Dittman, I asked Di. They're as good a riders as, as as I've seen in my era. And, and you know, I don't think anyone could deny that. I asked them all individually, which way is the better way of going? And they all said Melbourne way felt more um, more a relaxed way for the horses to go. They couldn't say why or how come, but they said they just feel better when they go on Melbourne Way are going. So I'm not really sure, but you know, you know, one thing I always look back to the great octagonal. He won, he won uh, ten Group Ones, and he had seven starts on the seven tracks in Melbourne, and Sydney. The only track he didn't race on was Sandown, and uh, and he won a Group One on every one. So you know, what good horses just defy things, and they just make you look good. It's as simple as that. So just closing off with Mars Crusader, uh, do we go to the TJ Smith now? Yeah, well, it depends how we're going to go with the, uh, with the with the weather. I'm not madly excited about having him on a, on a, on a real wet track, but uh, 
the uh, you know we just have to sort of play that by ear. Look, he's done his job, and I think one thing that everyone that uh, everyone that knows us knows that we will pull the plug and we will go to the paddock and we will leave something in the tank because there's a race called the Everest that's uh, in the spring that might be uh, right up his alley. And would fast a Stradbroke run, run pace. Wayne, would a Stradbroke be considered at all? If your handicap would go in 52, I'd love to, Michael. But I don't think your handicap is going to look after him. Mm. I think he's... Uh, Between I think he's now fast, and then. Uh, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't think he's... Uh, no, he's, he, won't, he won't be going for a Stradbroke, to be totally honest. And that's nothing against Queensland, because uh, we're actually going to bring a few horses to Queensland this year. We've got a few coming through that didn't sort of come through later. And we've even got a Queensland Derby horse this year and things like that that we haven't had for a long, long time. So we're coming. But uh, unfortunately for Queensland, Mars Crusader won't, uh, won't be there. A race like the Everest will be right up his uh, alley in the spring. Well, we put the queue in the rack on Friday night. Less than 24 hours later, we're at Mornington and you've got the favourite Mount Popper in the, the cup at $2.30. Let's have a listen to the replay first up. Mount Popper in front for the Wizard from the West Pike. Led it a half length on Irish Flame. Wider out on the track coming with runs now as they come towards the bend non-conformist. Aussie Nugget tracks up behind the leader who's doing it pretty well at the moment. Shapata with a great run around the field. Mount Popper turns in front. Got away a length and a half upon straightening at the 250. Non-conformist Shapata, Irish Flame but the cup favourite went for home. It's Mount Popper two or three in front of non-conformist Irish Flame and it's all over by the shouting. Look at Mount Popper go. He's Going to the Caulfield Cup. He won it by two and a half non-conformist Irish Flame game. Then behind those, Yonkers, Shapata, Deliberate. Uh, further back in the field was Aussie Nuggets, Skelm. They were followed by Glass Warrior and Lord Belvedere with the tailenders. Well, Wayne, you know I'm an old trotting man. I felt like I was watching a race at Albion Park or Harold Park there. He went to the front. They yeah. left him alone and he sprinted home too well. Um... The olden days at Ram, when, it, when, it, when I was a kid and used to be at Ram, you know, when the punters used to yell and scream at the Dicklins and the Dyes and those blokes, some bloke, and I won't say what he said, but he screamed out there, screamed as loud as he could to all the jockeys. He said, basically, he said, you're a old kid letting, letting Pike just uh, trot more can and sprint home with a few explanatories, and then he took off, and it was actually very, very funny. Even the jockeys were laughing, but... Uh, yeah, they were left napping. If you watch uh, Willie go on to the, uh, the winning post the first time, he just kept looking over his shoulder and looking over his shoulder because he was just waiting for something to come around and get a smother. And yeah. when they didn't, he said, oh, well, fair enough. And he sort of crabbed it going out the straight the first time in as far as he didn't roll like a greyhound. And he never really got around uh, around Mornington. But also, it's a bit of an immaturity thing. And Willie said, look, my time over again, I would have probably gone half a second quicker a furlong just to let him roll that bit better and to get him in a bit of momentum. But as I said, look, at the end of the day, you did what you uh, you had to do. But, like, he's had uh, 16 starts, something like that, and you're looking at him as a six-year-old going, you're still learning your caper. And mm. the Europeans, they, uh, they're, they're certainly... Well, they are differently educated because... We get them up, get them going, we jump them out, we barrier trial them, we draw barrier one, you rip them the first corner, round the corner you go, you rip them around the home corner, you win a two-year-old race, we're all heading for the golden slipper. In Europe, they uh, just go, oh, look, we're running next week, we better take this bugger to the barriers, we haven't been there yet. And that's what they do, they just flop out the gates, take two furlongs to get going, and it's a whole different way of uh, of racing. And Willie's had nothing to do with these sort of horses before, and I was explaining all this. He goes, it just makes sense because he said they just don't know and they just don't rail like we have to because, we, you know, you've, you've got one in front, one outside, one up your ginger, and you've got to rail well. And he said when he was out in front, he just was all over the shop and he just didn't know what to do. So 
for a, for a six year old that's had uh, sixteen starts, it's uh, it's certainly a uh, you know it's certainly a great thing. He, he's more like a, an immature three year old if that makes sense, and even looks wise, he's going to uh, come on enormous from uh, from the run. He's uh, by the sire Maxios, the same sire as Master of White. He arrived here from France with a rating of 76. Uh, his last run at Longchamp, he ran third there over a mile and a half. So does that all give you confidence if, if you're headed towards a race like a Caulfield Cup? Yeah, it does. We uh, we, we, we uh, got Master of White. He went enormous right from the get-go. And, and uh, they rang up and said, we've got, we got this other one by Maxios that we reckon's pretty good. And... We look, we like the videos and like what we saw, and uh, yeah, he's just a proper mile and a half horse. So, to be honest, he he could have run yesterday in uh, Dadu's Dance Race in Sydney if, if they ran, but we thought he only we're only going to give him one more. And Mornington put on the uh, the bonus that if you win the Mornington Cup, you're in the Caulfield Cup. So we thought, you know what? He raced at Flemington his first start in Australia and was desperately unlucky. He was third defence, I think, and he just never got out and should have won and should have won easy. So. We thought, you know what, let's just bring him back to Melbourne and just give him one run and uh, win, lose or draw, he goes to the paddock. So luckily for us, he won and uh, he's off to the paddock on Monday for a uh, very well-deserved and well-earned uh, spell. Wayne, it's a great position to be in, isn't it? These exemption races, I, I, we don't need too many of them, but the ones we've got, it puts you or the stable in a, a wonderful spot. You've won the race, you're in the Caulfield Cup now. You don't have to be worrying about which race to go in or which race not to go in. You yep. can just look after the horse. Well, how many times do you see it that you're uh, you're getting to the pointy end and you get to September and blokes are just scrambling? Mm. And oh, we've done it ourselves. I mean, you know, you're trying to get horses to qualify. And one one thing that I've I've always thought is you never get too hung up in the qualifications because if you're going good at the time and you're doing everything right, you qualify. And if you and if you're not going good enough, you don't really deserve to uh, deserve to be there. So. They certainly haven't hit the spot, Mornington, with the with the year, the probably three or four years they've been doing this. So uh, they were they were pretty excited. The boys down there yesterday because obviously it looks like his horse is going to go somewhere, and it's a big call for them because yes, look at his form. If the Caulfield Cup was in two weeks' time, he'd be one of the favourites. But we've got to go to the paddock, have a spell, come back up next prep, and you know we all know what horses are like. Some horses don't come up, and then you get your spot anyway. But our stable will be more like, well, we're not going good enough. We don't want to gut bust him in a mile and a half. But mm. it's uh, it's a good initiative that they did, and we took uh, took took full advantage of it yesterday. And to be honest, a three hundred and fifty thousand dollar country cup, the Group One Friday night was was uh, was one hundred and fifty thousand dollars more. So the the Group One was unders, and you know the Mornington race was uh, three fifty, and worth <laughs> a lot of money, hundred percent, Michael, hundred percent. Hey, what about just just before we finish off with Mount Popper? He, he started with you in the winter of last year. You only gave him two runs. Did you deliberately miss the spring, or was there an issue there? Yes, no, there was no issue. He just didn't come up. And what you got to do with these horses is you 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 forget it. I mean, I tell you what was funny. Michael just said they ran third at Longchamp in a mile and a half. Blah 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 blah. I have never ever looked at the, any of their horses' form because. You, you you need to look at the horse, be the horse trainer, and when you're getting a horse off someone else, you've got nothing to compare with. So, you know, we we the only time that you know I'd go back and look and see whether he handled a wet track or not, something like that. But he didn't come up, and he he, he he not only didn't come up, he just wasn't mature enough. So we gave him plenty of time. I mean, Michael was just talking about Master of Wine. I mean, it was a Sunday about two years ago, and we went to sale. I was in the first and the last. And uh, sales three hours from Melbourne for the people that don't know. And on a Sunday, he reared up, 
scratched himself and the and the second favourite master of wine, and I dropped them at the farm on the way home to the to the back to the cult breakers and said, "Mate, get this horse right." And they're just immature, and they come to you mentally just so different. And that's what, I mean, Willie Pike has ridden in Hong Kong, and he said to me yesterday, he said, "Wow," he said, "Now I'm looking at what you're telling me, and I'm looking at those Northern Hemisphere horses, and I wonder most of them don't succeed in Hong Kong because Hong Kong's like our racing in in Australia." And, they just need time to mature, and the biggest thing with them is look at their coats. Forget about everything else. If they're eating well and their coats are starting to shine, they'll they'll do the job. But they always generally come out, and their coats aren't quite right, and they're just needing a bit longer. I've only had one horse that's come out that's actually uh, that's actually done a really good job, and he's three weeks off a run. His name's Zarek. And um, he's the only one that's come out. His coat's been shiny. Everything else just needs a fair while. When I'm just saying everything, mm. we probably had eight or ten of them. So, uh, you know, <clears throat> we haven't had that many in the scheme of things, but we just got to let them go, David, and just let them sort of uh, come into their own. What's that horse's name? Zarek. Zarek. Okay. He's had four starts for two wins and two seconds. Mm. He, uh, Z-E-Y-R-E-K, he's just a beautiful horse. And this is only his first preparation, and... And he's doing everything really well. I'm not. I'm not saying he's going to go out and go bang because quite often they won't. But some of these other horses have just taken so long to come right. Whereas Zarek's been very, very push button, and he's been uh, just uh, just doing everything uh, as as, uh, as good as what we could ask. We've had a, we've had a good chat. Just reading between the lines when we've been talking, um, it sounds like you've developed a a good friendship with Willie Pike. It's not just a working relationship. What sort of guy is he? Um. He doesn't. He doesn't drink. He doesn't smoke. He will have the odd bourbon. I, I might have made him have a drink of bourbon on uh, Corporal Guinea's night. I might have made him do that. Uh, he didn't have a drink last night. Cadbury's dairy milk plain chocolate is what he eats. Uh, it was his birthday, and uh, yesterday my wife my wife made a cake, and I had uh, half a dozen friends over last night, and um, and we all sang happy birthday, and he was so embarrassed and he was so shy, which we all do get, but. <laughs> I tell you what, Willie Pike is, he's the wizard from the West, but if you ask him, he says, mate, my name's just William, and I'm just there to do a job. Mate, you rode four winners in a second. He said, no, I didn't. I went to the race, I did my job. That's all I did. Mm. Very humble man. Um, his manager told me that he goes home on a Saturday night, takes the wife and the kids out for dinner, and he's got a farm that's uh, 18 or 1,300 acres, about two hours out of Perth, and he'll go out and play on the farm for the next two or three days and then back to where uh, Belmont he goes So for the midweek races. And he just wants to get away from everything. And he's just a, he's just a typical country bumpkin. But he's such a humble guy. And he's a really... Pu- I mean, I remember back when we were, when Dwayne Dunn hurt himself and I was having a good chat to my father and he said, I reckon he our suits this bloke because he's so relaxed and he just lets him hit the line and... It just suit the way that we train, and sure enough, uh, the rest has been history. But uh, got a great sense of humour, but he's very, very quiet. You don't get much out of him. No, it's it's good that fame hasn't hasn't phased him. Just on the old man there, I see he's he's got back to only a few trotters that have been winning. Oh yeah, it's uh, everyone. Uh, Gareth Hall, Adam Hamilton, they've all rang me up. Going, what about the old man's trotter? And I said, I said, you're kidding. I'll tell you quickly a funny story. I had a few horses come over from Perth, uh, from um, New Zealand during COVID. So what happens is that um, the planes got very tight because internationally the, the freight has been a disaster. So uh, there's not many planes flying. 
and now you can't tell anyone this, but Dad said, Gary, about the racehorses coming over. He said, you make sure my trotter's on the plane. <laughs> so he got, he got front and centre and went straight to Rose Hill and uh, the dentist, the chiropractor, the physio, every man his dog went over it and he was standing there with Ole Kirks and everything and all he was worrying about was his trotter. So he... Uh, Mate, he has a fascination with trots. He, uh, he, he, mum said Friday night at Waverley in Adelaide, we used to have, they used to have to catch the tram up to the trots. And to be honest, mum, mum doesn't lie. And she said he was a lethal punter. She said he wasn't a big punter, but when he bet, he, he didn't bet very often. But he was so good with Whatever. the trots. And he, well, he just gets the form and he just understands. I, I got no idea. I got no idea. But he just looks at it and gets the form. And then when he goes to the trots, he just stands in the mountain enclosure and picks the best looking horse. And if he likes the best looking horse with his form, he just goes and backs it. And his record's amazing. Mm. We had we had a you might remember this. Remember we went to to, to Tassie with that horse Advance Attack that he had a share oh. in. We were, we were at the Should have won by casino. about five, shouldn't we? I know. It's a long time ago. <laughs> hey, uh, I always say about you. We have a bit of fun, but I always say when I speak to you, or after I've spoken to you, I'm a smarter man than when I started. Now there's a rap for you, and I mean it 100. percent I appreciate that. You know, it was funny. I was just, I was just talking to you guys five minutes ago. Thinking, geez, all those years ago, it used to be on Maxi Show and yeah, listening right. you calling the races. Uh, you know what? We got older and a bit slower, but uh, we got great memories. And you yeah. know what? I, and I'm, I mean this honestly. We've actually got some really nice horses going to Queensland for the carnival this year, and Good. I'm actually quietly excited because it's been 20 years since we've we decided to. You know, we've had sort of multiple numbers go up there, so mm. with a bit of luck, I can get a few of them up there this carnival. Back in the days of guineas, I see um, he um, about 20. 20-odd years ago, 23, yeah. 24 years ago. Gee. My la- I, know, I know my last year. My last year up there with the Winter Carnival was when Anthony's won the Castle, mate, and that was 1995. And then I moved to Melbourne to take over uh, the uh, the running of the uh, stable in Melbourne. Not bad when Oki won the uh, Cox Plate in 95, but Anthony was, was my last year of uh, the Queensland Winter Carnivals. Yeah. They, were, uh, they were some seriously great memories, I guarantee you that. Yeah, absolutely. Good to talk, babe. We'll chat soon. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Thanks. See you, Wayne. Wayne Hawke's joining us for a very detailed conversation this morning. Absolutely. An enjoyable yeah. one. We've, um, if we need to fill in a little time on a Sunday morning, just call Wayne. And as you say, he's a wealth of knowledge. And just getting back to Willie Pike, great for turnover as well, mm. isn't he? And I was talking to Steve Lyons at the coast, and I'm sure he said um, he's going to be um, visiting the Gold Coast in May with his family and there's a big chance that he'd be riding at the Hollandale Stakes meeting. I think it's May 8. Yeah, I think I think that's right. And uh, But you're right about the turnover. People just rally to him, you know, particularly like when he's often on that last race favourite at Ascot or Belmont. They just, just oh. pile it on. And more often than not, he wins. Yep. Um, the William Reed on Friday night, there were a couple of good runs. Clearly, Mars Crusader was just, uh, just enormous. But the effort of September runs, she had to go back to last from Barrier 12 giving them a massive start while Willie was getting the brakes on Mars Crusader near the rails. Uh, September run must have came eight wide, turning into mm. the straight. She was a, she was super. And Libertini, she was sort of obliged to race wide there for the majority and, and whacked away nicely in the straight. But apart from the winner, September run, I thought, was massive. Well, we've listened to the Mornington Cup. Let's go to the feature sprint of the day. This was the Hariba. They wheel for home, and the leader is unlaced. Turning in, Dream gets through. Un- 
No, we'll... Uh, Ancestry and we Serious are. Suspect, they're at one another on the corner. Ancestry ahead in front, Serious Suspect lays down the law. Howway Manic's coming on with Laver Rod. Ancestry has to dig, Laver Rod, Howway Manic going after Ancestry. Howway Manic and Laver Rod have hit the lead, Laver Rod's taken the lead. Oh, this is outrageous, Pike, he wins four. Goes home and wins the Hariba by three quarters, Howway Manic. Ancestry in a photo with Hightail, Blaze fourth. Serious Suspect behind those, I'm telling you. Then came Bonds away and Outrageous, and that's exactly what it was, has run last. Yeah, well, that's uh, one thing we've got to mention as well. It was Willie's birthday, and he won four races there. He made a clean sweep of the features, but we know about Man Popper, Laver on there, a Western Australian visitor, and, of course, it's stable, mate, Dom to shoot. Willie rode it in the, in, in the Mornington Guineas, and uh, Sean and Jay Casey trained both Dom to shoot and Laver. They brought Laver on over because it was a little difficult to place in the West uh, because he's got a high rating. So yep. found a good race for him. Ancestry was the odds-on favourite, went out hard. We saw that the previous week when it won at the Valley, but did get taken on. But I think in saying all that, even Philip Stokes said, wasn't the same horse as the previous week. This fellow's developing a good record coming through the grades. 21 starts, 6 wins, 6 seconds, 6 thirds. He's a 4-year-old by the sire Toronado. Mm. Um, and Mars Crusader is also a 4-year-old by that sire Toronado, who's a high chaparral stallion. He does a dual hemisphere service. And when, when in the southern hemisphere, he's at Swetnam Stunt for 25,000. So he's got a couple of pretty handy horses there, Labour Rod and Mars Crusader. That was Mornington yesterday. We might take a break, and when we come back, we'll then uh, look back in some detail at the meeting at Eagle Farm yesterday. It was the Girls' Day Out race day. A big crowd, great atmosphere yesterday at the farm. We'll talk about that after the break. Past the Post on Radio Tab. Thanks for your company. I'm past the post this morning. I'm with Mike Maxworthy here in our End Street studios. Let's look back at Eagle Farm yesterday. A big crowd for the Girls' Day Out Race Day. And let's listen to the opening race. Chico Malagro was a very well-backed favourite here at $2.20. 4.50 left to Rana. Shai Jin turned in front narrowly now. Click comes up on the outside. Stewart riding confidently. Then Dixon Bay and Chico Malagro is being called upon. Starting to run on down the outside. Clicks in a battle with Shai Jin. Then came Dixon Bay. Chico Malagro needs to get a bit of a move on. He's hitting top gear now. Clicks in front with 100 metres left to go. Chico Malagro's trying hard. Hasn't got clickers yet. Running on wonderful Reary. Wider Kida. Clicks in front. Hanging on. And Click got the money. Been wonderful Reary, photo third, Dixon Bay or Shai Jin, Westlake not far away with Kedar then came at the head of the others, Dixon Bay LeBook, uh, Chico Malagro pulling up very quickly, he went disappointingly the favourite on face value for Benny out towards the tail Yes, well Click uh, rewarded for his consistency winning the first race, we might just touch off firstly on Chico Malagro because uh, most uh, or many punters thought this was the good way to start the day, mm. uh, anchor him in, in all ups and the like, but perform poorly. Yeah, right. I was uh, out of place straight away. It was the first leg of my long multi, so it was disappointing, but um, he had that uh, issue towards the end of his last prep. Remember, he won at Doombin and Bled, and unfortunately, um, a little issue again yesterday with him. I think they scoped him and uh, suggested that um, he had a, an abnormal respiratory noise, so obviously something's not right with Chico Malagro. Also from race number eight yesterday, David, Luna Light Bled. Uh, she got a little bit of black type from memory she earned in Adelaide, so 
possibly off to the breeding barn. And the stewards had a blitz on the jockeys yesterday regarding the overuse of the persuader. Seven jockeys were collectively fined $2,900, so they're obviously right onto that. Well, Click was the winner of the first race. Brad Stewart riding for Tony Hayden. He was rewarded for his consistency. And Click is raced by the, the chairman of the BRC, Neville Bell and his wife, Mary. And Neville's been kind enough to join us this morning. Nev, good morning. Congratulations. It was a win well overdue with this horse. It was, uh, and good good morning, um, David and, and Michael. Um, pleasure to talk to you after uh, winning a race at headquarters, which is uh, always uh, an extra thrill for us. And Brad Stewart had the ride. You've got a good association with Brad. I know you like him a lot. Yes, look, he's my... Um, uh, I think we're lucky in Brisbane at the moment that we have a lot of uh, good riders, uh, experienced riders, a lot of good up-and-coming riders. But Brad and I have had a, a long association and uh, and his laid-back sort of style uh, that we all know really, I think, suits a lot of horses. And while he can't make them go any faster, he can certainly give them every opportunity. And that's what I like about him. Neville, um, regarding Click, it uh, must have been a little bit special as well, as you mentioned, at headquarters, uh, winning the first race yesterday, and you actually bred him. I'm just interested in his pedigree. I remember his sire, Champions Gallery. Um, he was purchased to race in Hong Kong, where he won a feature race. And the dam, a pentime mare called Nusky, I believe, uh, was uh, was due to race by the Lavin family here in Queensland. But um, she had three barrier trials, but never actually raced. How did this um, this pedigree come together? Yes, uh, Michael, you've done your research, as you're well known for, but... Uh, um Champions Gallery was owned by a good Hong Kong client of ours, Mr. Leong, Mr. Kai Fai Leong, um, and uh, and he really loved the horse and uh, gave us the opportunity to stand him, um, but uh, we just weren't getting the commercial uh, results that uh, you, you need to get with these horses. So he's been retired, was retired a couple of years ago up to Lyndhurst, um, but. Um, I was trying to breed a, a derby horse and I thought uh, Champions Gallery over a Pentire mare would, would might put me on that track to at least get a good miler or a middle distance horse. And lo and behold, we've got uh, Click, who's a 1,000 to 1,200 metre horse. So there's no rules in the, in the breeding game, but uh, Nusky was uh, trained by Pat Duff and uh, he had great expectations for... Uh, the mayor or the filly then um, after a barrier trials, but she got injured in one of the barrier trials quite severely, was galloped on and had to be retired, and then eventually we uh, we bought her off the Lavin family. Now, I often get chided by many because I call this horse Click. When you look at it, it looks as though it's pronounced Calic, but there is a bit of background to the name as well. <clears throat> yes, uh, uh, David, and by the way, uh, Mrs Bell did note that you... Uh, you uh, made uh, Chico Maligro your bet of the day, and and, uh, and, and I must say she she will have a couple of words to you in due course. And Mr. But, Sinclair, uh, Mr. Sinclair also noted that he didn't tip uh, slow hands. Yes, well, yes. off me and back to you, Neville. <laughs> Tell me the background of this name. <laughs> okay, Click is a, a beer. Um, Look, Mary and I are fortunate enough to have enjoyed uh, a number of overseas trips in recent years, and, and I love to try the local beers wherever I go. And I've got to say, I've never really struck a bad one ac- around the world. And I've named a, a, 
a few be- a few horses after the bears and and in the Bahamas uh, click is uh, one of their very favorite uh, drinks and and uh, we spent uh, we're lucky enough to spend um, a few days in Nassau and uh, I think I've drunk most of a carton of this one particular weekend and and have fond memories of that weekend and uh, and uh, call the horse that but yes uh, they actually pronounce it click so when they walk up to the bar they just sort of click their tongue a bit and, and the bartender immediately knows what they want so I thought that that'd be a good name for a horse. Well, he's very honest to horse, so always gives his best. He, he takes bad luck out of the equation. He's got the speed to, to take a position, and he's been racing really well. Just on a broader point, whilst we've got you here this morning, we mentioned it was Girls' Day out yesterday. This is traditionally your first sort of main promotional meeting of the year. It always attracts a good crowd, and, and you would have been delighted with the response yesterday. It, it, we haven't had a feeling like that at, at Eagle Farm you know, because of COVID for some time. Exactly right, uh, David. Uh, look, uh, the team, Tony um, Partridge, the CEO and his team, have done a great job this year uh, following you know what we've all been through. But this particular event has been sort of five years in the making and just gradually getting better each year. And that's what um, we've realised that we have to do with these sort of um, events, that they take a few years to get uh, noticed and people come along, have a good time, and uh, they back up next year with uh, with some friends. So we would have had, uh, I haven't got the exact numbers, but it was uh, uh, well over 4,500, probably a little bit over 5,000 people uh, that were there that, that have been scanned through the gates. And there was nearly 4,000 pre-sales, so we're always um, uh, confident that we'd get a good day, but the, we were very cautious with the weather. And... Uh, Thank goodness uh, the weather god smiled on us and, and and the team were well rewarded. And you're right, there was a great vibe there. Even when in between races you could hear a good chatter and a good vibe and, and people were just, you know, really wanting to get out and enjoy themselves uh, in, the, in the open stadium type uh, atmosphere. Neville, uh, David and I at the outset, we were giving two thumbs up to the track yesterday, but you were out and about talking to um, the trainers and the jockeys. So what was the general consensus yesterday? Did, did you uh, agree with us? Yes, uh, yes, absolutely. But look, uh, you, you know, the, this uh, track has got a long history. and But I think when it does race well like that, we should applaud it. And I think that's what we need to recognise that, it's still very much a work in progress, but you've got to say that it's definitely going in the right direction. The, the Times uh, yesterday indicated that uh, a soft five was the correct rating, and jockeys and trainers uh, that I spoke to or heard about all agreed that it was um, uh, a genuine soft five, and they were happy to call it that. Um, I think they've always said that it's quite fair to race on. It's the same across the, the whole um, course proper there uh, but yesterday I don't think there was um, any complaints about the um, you know the the surface uh, so look the grass is a lot longer now uh, it's just getting more density to it um, and I think uh, it's only going to keep improving from now through the winter carnival. I think just closing off on that that track issue again you can only often go by the results the facts uh generally in life speak for themselves and yesterday we had a situation again at Eagle Farm where fancied runners won all of the races and they came from all different positions on all parts of the track and that can't be that can't be disputed just before we let you go and speaking about 
going in the right direction. Before we know it, the, the carnival is going to be upon us, and you've branded your, the BRC, your carnival, of Stradbroke season. We kick off on mm. May the 1st with the Queensland Guineas, and we've got, what, six great meetings at Eagle Farm and Dooman between May and June. That's right. Look, we uh, we think Stradbroke season is a great brand uh, for the months of May and June. It's a great reason for people around Australia and the regions to look at all that uh, Brisbane has to offer in May and June. And, and not just the um, uh, the racing. There's, there's in the magic ground of football. There's football. There's lots of things happening in the arts, you know, um, uh, festivals of all sorts. So it's, it's great if we could bring them all together under the brand name of of, um, of the Stradbroke season and that's what we're trying to do, build that over the next couple of years into a, a great brand for Brisbane. Your website's very insightful, brc.com.au. You've got all the details there of all of the, the meetings and, and what's happening in terms of uh, hospitality packages. So if anyone's wanting to go to one of those days, just go to the, the website, brc.com. Appreciate your time this morning, Neville, and congratulations to you and Mary on yesterday's win. Thank you very much, and uh, thanks for the interview. I really appreciate it. Neville Bell joining us this morning, the the chairman of the BRC, but a winning owner as well yesterday. Yes, Sam. We're only a few weeks away from um, uh, a good meeting, a black-type meeting there at Eagle Farm. I noticed Saturday the 17th of April. Mm. It coincides with the second day of the Star Championships at Randwick, and we've got the Daybreak Lover in the Ascot Handicap on that day. Fair enough. Let's have a listen to a few other races from yesterday. We'll go, we'll bookend. We started with Click winning the first. Let's have a listen to the last race. And as we said, a big crowd there, and uh, this was a really good finish. The big field heads for home of the last. Bonaparte led. Word for word on the outside tackling. Coming after the pair was the dark. Kubrick was still there. Then came Slow Hands. Wider on the track and even deeper was Waihora Jeweler. Mashiki's not in it. Word for word and Bonaparte. The dark came at the pair and Slow Hands came at the trio. Down to the 100 metres. Slow Hands out wide. Reached the lead. Hit the front. The big boy is home. Slow Hands. Beat home word for word or Bonaparte. And the dark ran fourth. Mashiki not far away. Then Chevy Chaser, followed by the minivan, our rebel, Kubrick, traduced passing a few, then achieved victory, Parangus, Waihora Jewel, and Ipso Dimfalek, last over the line. Slow hands winning the last bit of symmetry here because, of course, Brad Stewart rode the first winner click and he partnered slow hands in the last. I think he's got a, a perfect strike rate, uh, Mike, two from two on this horse. Yeah, he was getting a little bit of a reputation, slow hands, as a little bit winning post shy. I think even uh, part owner Bart Sinclair mentioned that yesterday. But, gee, he attacked the line, didn't he? You could see coming towards the bend, the big fella, tucked in behind a wall of horses, really trucking. And he was super over the last 100 metres, really striding away from them. So a bit of a popular win there, word for word in that race. I thought she might be able to get up into a handy spot a little bit easier, but uh, that alley went against her yesterday. She just had to work too hard. They kept kicking up underneath her. Nevertheless, her run was quite good there to finish second. Well, Slow Hands is trained by Kelly Schweder, who had a double yesterday, also prepared Joymaker for victory at an earlier race, and Kelly's on the line now. Kelly, good morning. Morning, boys. Bart Sinclair, as uh, Michael said, is a part owner. He rarely bets these days. He had a good wager on this horse yesterday. You'd understand it or appreciate it because I know one thing with him, the sling comes quick. So <laughs> you've woken up with more money this morning than you started with yesterday. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, <laughs> something like that. Oh, yeah, not really. Yeah, yeah, not really. <laughs> um, I wish. It might come Monday. 
Yeah. <laughs> and same on Christmas. What about uh, this looked a very suitable race for Slowhands yesterday. Yeah, look, his last run was really good. I thought he, he pinged the lids, but we had to go back because he was wide. And I thought he found the line good. He, he ended up getting caught in the worst um, part of the track at Calandra, I thought, but um, nothing we could do about it. They all banned across the track. But And, look, he's only run two bad races, and that was probably trainer area. I, I tried a bit of gear on him. I, I put uh, winkers on him and... That didn't work, and then I put a shadow roll on, and he went worse. And then as soon as I took the gear back off him, he um, he ran good at Calandra. So look, it was a a nice race for him on paper, only that there was no speed was our only worry, and and Brad handled that pretty well. He he, um, he got pulling a little bit, but he's only had two rides on him for two wins, and um, and and he dropped his stick at the before he could even give him a smack of it. So he responded without it. I think he hit him with his hand. Kelly, he'd had a couple of starts in New Zealand and since arriving, he has done a really good job. That was his fourth victory, a stack of placings, and that has taken him up around $200,000. So when you first um, when he first landed at the stables, did you realise he was such a big, imposing horse? No, uh, he he's, a, he's a big horse. Um, and, and, you know, ironically, he's got a head big as a garbage tin and um <laughs> and he's been beat probably a half head about on six occasions <laughs> i think so uh, maybe he would have got beat a three-point length as a normal horse but um no he's a big boy and um he's quite a good looker he's got the big sort of white tail and uh, all the girls sort of shampoo it and it comes up good on camera i often see it on camera yeah, it, it certainly was a very imposing tale. Just on, you made a point there, and I just wanted to to flesh that out. Uh, you were concerned about the lack of speed in the race, but have you noticed with Eagle Farm, and, and forgetting all the talk about Eagle Farm, but one thing that I have noticed is that there can be sometimes no tempo in races, but backmarkers can still get into the race? Yeah, you're probably right, and because, you know, it's such a big track, I think. He was a little bit closer... Brad sort of summed the race up. He said, I'm going to have to be a bit closer than I probably normally would as his last start. He got back to last and found the line good. But, yeah, look, um, uh, it's always been, you know, it's a big track and most horses can run on from there. I think Newman's a bit different with the speed of the races, but certainly Eagle Farm's a good track for it. Well, speaking about run on horses, Joymaker was your other winner, and uh, as I think I said in the broadcast, she had a hoof on the till. She was ready to win, and not only did she win, I thought she won very impressively yesterday. Yeah, David, look, everything mapped perfect for her. It, it, the speed was good, um, her form was good. Eagle Farm winner over twenty two hundred. The only issue I had in the back of my head, she's very quirky with a lot of jockeys, and Jimmy Burns the only one that seems to get on with her, and that was my. Only query on the day is whether you know she got on with any other jockey by Jimmy Byrne because she seemed to jump for him and she misses a start for a lot of other jockeys. But you know, once she jumped with Michael on it, you know, you're sort of watching running and, and at the 800, you think oh, she's going to be winning this and she just smoked in the last little bit. It was a bit of an ugly race uh, going to the first turn there. The grey horse, Go Darcy, wanted to hang out badly. There was a lot going on, but, yeah, Michael sort of had her in a nice spot under control, just probably needed a little bit of luck coming towards the bend, and then it was all over. She she presented beautifully at the top of the straight. Yeah, look, it's just one of them races where everything worked out perfect, you know. Um, if you could bet in running, she was going to win a long way from home because you could see all that 
stuff going on up in front and Michael was just smoking his pipe and, and even he said she was very um, very authority the last little bit. You know? So, um, yeah, he was quite impressed. Kelly, hopefully the trials are on. I think they um, decided to put a set of trials on course proper, the outside of the course proper, obviously, tomorrow at Eagle Farm. I see where you've entered Sella Maid. We haven't seen her for a long time. Yeah, no, she's um, she's uh, resuming. She's had a trial or a jump out not long ago. Um, yeah, she's been quite an exciting filly. Um, sort of, there wasn't much on for her over the sort of the summer series sort of thing. So we decided to give her a little bit longer in the paddock, and she's big, immature sort of filly. So she's blossomed nice. Now, what's happening with the Odyssey after all the hoo-ha of yesterday? Yeah, well, he stayed down there for the weekend. Oh, we wanted a wet track, but we sort of went a bit overboard with that. <laughs> um, he certainly, you know, he certainly strips a lot fitter and looks he looks really good. And um, his first run was disappointing, but he can do that. He was very jelly-legged after the race. And, um, you know, they run 55-something, and it's probably you don't see that very often in Australia. So um, hopefully we get through the week and uh, Steph's back on board. So she was suspended after that run. So, um yeah, hopefully we get to the races this week. But I had a lot of rain down there, but just one further question before we let you go, and it's just on with on with Joymaker. It seems like Joymaker's been around forever, but I know sometimes horses take a little while to find their feet, get into their groove. But would would you consider that this mare could go to the next level? I'm not saying what the next level is, but the manner in which she won, and you know, middle distance racing, there's not a big pool of horses there. Can she go another level? Look, I think so. My biggest problem was I sort of, me and my casino prince, I didn't really try her over the trip, you know, and then, you know, it sort of blew me away the first time I ran her over 2200. She, she won with woman authority. So, yeah, look, as you say, I think the, the, the races get a bit easier the further they go so that she can handle wet or dry. So there might be a nice race in there somewhere. Good on you, mate. Thanks for this morning. And keep a watch on the letterbox. There'll be something arriving there. Uh, no doubt, he's a he's a very kind man. <laughs> I've never heard that expression used before with him, but anyway, we'll take that one on board. A kind man. See you later. See Bye-bye. Kelly Schweder joining us this morning. But uh, and, and slow hands, uh, you know, knowing a few of the, the boys in the horse, uh, apart from Bart, uh, he's been here almost two years, probably raced about 18 months. But, you know, it doesn't win out of turn, fair enough. But always, except for twice, I think, as Kelly said, has always raced competitively. And that... Gives owners a good. They come to the races. They enjoy themselves. They, mm. they, and a couple of times he has just been beaten in close photos. Yeah, they've had a lot of fun with him. As I said, I think they bought him. Um, well, bought him at a good price, a really good price, and he's. Uh, I think he's fourfold that at the moment. A so. modest investment. Yeah. Say. That two-year-old race yesterday. I'm interested to see whether the form is okay going forward. I, I did like uh, the performances of the top three in that race. One by yes. that. Uh, by I've been there yesterday. We'll talk about that in a moment. We've got one race to go before then. Righto. I'm interested in your thoughts on this horse as well. He was favourite and he won, but uh, impressive or not, you, well, you be the judge. Here's Ventura Ocean winning race eight. And flying Cracker Jack trying to do it all the way at the 1400. Leads Baroda narrowly. Love Speed Girl outside the pair. There's the run for Ventura Ocean now. And the well-back favourite comes up outside the leading pair. Rich and Shameless nearer the rail. Then Spirit of Spree and Enterprise Prince trying to run on. Baroda had a bit of a kick down towards the 200 metres. Ventura Ocean trying hard. Then Rich and Shameless flying Cracker Jack and Spirit of Spree. Baroda's giving plenty. Rich and Shameless the inside. Ventura Ocean now joining on the outside. Ventura Ocean took 
Trocadero lead close to home at Ventura Ocean. Beat home Rich and Shameless Flying Cracker Jack. Barona peaking late, then Spirit of Spree, followed by Unbiased Red Dalton. Enterprise Prince Scottish Miss Weekend Affair Love Speed Girl and Lunar Light is last over the line. Venturation two from two since arriving in Australia, as I mentioned, the two dollar fifteen favourite. Winning margin was a neck. Your impressions? I thought it was a great ride by Andrew Mallion. That alley did worry me a little bit yesterday, barrier 10, but he was able to slot him in beautifully into a one-off position. So um, if you took the short odds, you would have been pretty happy with that. Um, He only just won, didn't he? But Mm. uh, there's a lot to like about him. As Wayne Hawke said, these horses often take a little bit of time that come from Great Britain. He had a pretty good record there. 15 starts for three wins, um, rather two wins. Or three, my apologies. He had three wins in the UK. Um, so two starts here, two wins at Eagle Farm. Um, Mel Eggleston said yesterday he believed that uh, uh, Chris Lees wants him to go back to Newcastle and uh, they'll assess him and they'll talking about a race, maybe the Cameron Handicap. We might even see him back up here for, um, you know, uh, maybe a listed race during the winter, but it looks as though that Cameron Handicap could be a good race for him. A narrow win, but I still think that he's got a, a lot to come, this fellow. Let's go to the two-year-old, the race you were just talking about. 1,400 metres going to the 1,400 of the juveniles for the first time. And the favourite in the race was... Let me find this. Where was the favourite, Michael? King Guthrie, yes. $3.30. Here's the replay. Straightening for home and Kenny Boy went for home. Went by the 400 metres with a handy break. King Gutho now rallying to the task. Then came Shaluna struggling. Zayfelder followed by Legalese. I've been there uh, under the pump trying to make ground. Then Valley Rattler and Gypsy Isle wider. Kenny Boy. He's in front with 120 left to run. I've been there starts to emerge and Zayfeld down the outside. Kenny Boy getting tired. I've been there coming out of the... I've been there raced up. Hit the lead and won! I've been there, beat Kenny Boy, Kendrick Quinella. Zayfeld third, not sure about fourth, King Gutho or Shaluna. Then Miss Gott, Valley Rattler, Gypsy Isle, our hot friend, and Legalese, last over the line. You know what I'm on one, don't you? So you know what I'm on one? I was on that, I've, I've been there. Yes. Had yeah. to get square from the previous week because... It was eight lengths off them at the top of the straight and you knew exactly where it was. <laughs> yeah, I, I certainly did. But... Uh, Back on a firmer surface, up to 1,400 metres. I think this is a very good horse. Yes, well, he sort of showed that showed us that in um, uh, three starts prior, running on strongly, and then he put in that effort at the coast in the Sweet Dolly Jewel only seven days before, but there were a lot of excuses that day. He was in the wrong part of a track. He drew barrier three, just couldn't get off the rails and um, was well beaten. Um, so for him to bounce back after that tough run and do what he did yesterday, I think the future looks very bright for him. Um, he was back behind uh, a couple of horses, not taking him into the race. Uh, Jimmy Orman clearly wanted to get him to the outside, turning into the straight, but that gap closed. And while this was going on, Kenny Boy's rolling along in the lead, probably six lengths in front of him at this point when they get to the 300. And then Jimmy switched him back towards the inside. You can see him really lengthening late. And he only just got up. I thought Kenny Boy was good too, the Sebring. He, at his first start, was back and running on quite green. Blinkers went on yesterday, and he probably just overdid it a little bit early. I think that's what the, the trainer thought, Stuart Kendrick. And the horse that split them, uh, Zayfeld, he won't be a maiden for long, uh, no. lo- looking like, uh, you know, 1,400 or even a mile. We'll yeah. suit him. As we draw towards the close of Past the Post, let's have a listen to our final replay. We talked about the format of the Gold Coast the previous week. Throw it out the window because the track was too wet. And here's another case in point. Epic Girl winning race five. 
Hard stride the outside of the field, making every post a winning post, leading from Epic Girl. Royal Witness third, Tessark fourth, and Invincible Owl travelling more smoothly now. Then JJ Dar and Maddie Rocks pull to the outside, but with that five lengths to make up, hard stride. The acid being put on it by Epic Girl, and Aiden Thompson goes for home. Then Royal Witness followed by Tessark, Maddie Rocks, JJ Dar, and Invincible Owl. Epic Girl shot to a clear lead with 100 metres left to go. Tessark's trying hard, Maddie Rocks is running on. Epic Girl, no gap in the tag, but she's got the lead and she's got the prize. Epic Girl first, Royal Witness second, Maddie Rocks or Tessark the third and fourth in JJ Dar, Invincible Owl and Hard Stride last over the line. I'm loath to say horses for courses at Eagle Farm, but I think it, it bears mentioning that there are some horses that do race well at this track and she's one of them. Mm. And she was back on the, the, the better track yesterday after striking that heavy at the Gold Coast. Uh, Map was always going to be good for her outside of hard stride, and things just panned out perfectly. Yes, I thought um, Aidan Thompson uh, rode her very, very well yesterday. He knew that hard stride had drawn inside her and was probably going to ping a little bit better than her. It usually takes her a stride or two to, to get going, and and he didn't force the issue. He sort of sat three-quarters of a length off, off hard stride. He was controlling things, and then when he went for her, she responded, as she always does. She's she's as tough as old boots. They were talking about retiring her after yesterday. I guess we'll know early this week, but uh, she certainly has done the job. That was her eighth victory at 32 starts yesterday and a heap of placings as well. Yeah, other winners include a bold executive, stepped up to the 2200, stayed well, abracadazzle rewarded for her consistency, and Dream Time is racing well this campaign for Kevin Kemp and Maddie Wishup. That was Eagle Farm yesterday, and that was racing yesterday, March 20, another edition of Past the Post. Thanks for your company. Uh, Mike, thanks for joining me this morning. Okay, thank you, Dave. Look forward to, to you being with me here next Sunday, and hopefully this time next week we will be reviewing Golden Slipper Day. Until then, bye-bye.